Welcome to Unwrapped, a food service podcast by Sand and Vendo America. An honest, insightful look into the issues, challenges, and trends of our industry. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unwrapped, the food service podcast. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern, and with me is a duo of experts from Sand and Vendo America. First of all, we have Mike Weiser. He's the president and CEO. Mike, thank you so much for being here. Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm in a real live recording studio. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> Never thought that you'd make it into one of these. No, no. My kids uh, didn't believe I was actually doing a podcast today, so... Well, I hope you have photographic evidence. We'll make sure you do before you leave. All right. You can can take home and show them. We also have Joey Levuck. He is the Director of Sales and Marketing for the North American Division of Sand and Vendo America. Joey, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I'm excited to have you guys as well. And uh, we know that the food industry has been growing, especially in the world of convenience stores where sales have surged nearly 9% in 2018. But there are still areas where there can be improvements made, right? And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today and some of the products that you have available. So Mike, you have a lot of experience and insight into this area of the marketplace. Um, what are some of the challenges that are facing these stores these days? Uh, you know, there's a lot of challenges that the stores are facing. Um, crime and theft is one. Uh, energy consumption is probably uh, one of the uh, the hot button topics with uh, convenience stores. Um, but I would probably say the, the thing that affects us the most is this evolution of the convenience store from selling bags of chips and candy bars to salads and sushi rolls and and fresh food items. Sure, sure. And that has caused, I suppose, a necessary evolution in terms of what types of facilities you have there at at these types of stores, right? Because if you have chips, they can just go on any regular old shelf. But if you've got fresh items, if you have sushi, you can't just have it sitting (laughs) sitting out. So a bag of chips will last, you know, in a convenience store for 60 days, 90 days. Right. Guess how long a sushi roll lasts in in an open air uh, refrigerator. It's, you know, it's considerably different. Right. And so our customers are constantly challenging us to come up with uh, not just technology to manage that and reduce the amount of waste, but to market and present those products in such a way that it makes sushi from a convenience store look appetizing. Yeah, for sure. And Joey, you're having conversations with people, I, I would assume, on a regular basis, these store owners talking about products and talking about what their challenges are. What are you hearing from them on a, on a day-to-day basis that they need help kind of facing, I suppose? I think some of the challenges that we face with our convenience store partners on a daily basis is the footprint and what they have out there in terms of placement, uh, equipment opportunities, and shelf space. So anytime that you're talking about shelf space, you're talking about maximizing ROI, right? Because people have whatever size their store is, they're going to try to maximize it to the best of their abilities. And so that has to be a, a large aspect of this, right? Is that you're maximizing return on investment for them by making sure that they're able to have as many products for as long as possible in their store that people want to have, I suppose. You're exactly right. And that's what we're working on. And we've actually come up with a solution for that. Really? So tell me a little bit more about that solution. What what kind of ways do you have for people to kind of extend the shelf life of these products, but also uh, present them in a, in a way that is also compact? Well, one of our exciting new products that I'm here to tell you about is our Hot Food Open Topper, which I have to give Mike credit for. It's actually his design. It's a, it's a heated display unit that goes on top of a traditional hot dog roller. So essentially doubling the real estate or sellable real estate in that area. It doesn't take any additional shelf space and you're going vertical. So it's allowing the operator to have more product for sale. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So I would would suppose then that 
the challenge has to be that you got to tick three boxes, right? You have to present products in an attractive manner. You have to take up as little space as possible, I would guess. And then you have to, I guess, kind of minimize how much space you're taking up, right? So how, how many, what all are you kind of factoring in when you're creating products for these places? So a convenience store is, is a finite area and you only have so much room to work with. And the KPI that they measure themselves against is revenue per square foot. And we're challenging that thinking not, you know, trying to convince our customers not to think on a linear level uh, on, on a singular plane, uh, but on a third dimension, move up in the store. Uh, that can cause some issues with the clerk's line of sight into the store and keeping an eye on, on security. Uh, related um, uh, issues. Uh, but the open hot food topper, uh, the way it's positioned over the roller grill, the way it maintains an open line of visibility from the clerk to the inside of the store, and the way it presents the products is uh, just seems to tick all of those boxes for, for the convenience stores. Yeah, product presentation also seems like a, a big aspect of this to me because you're also focused and concerned on the customer experience, right? You want them to walk in and see something and see something attractive that sparks their interest and says, maybe I wasn't you know, initially here for this, but I want this now. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, would you rather buy a slice of pizza that looks like it came from a convenience store? Or would you rather buy a slice of pizza that looked like it came from a New York pizzeria? Right. Uh, and while you're there uh, in front of the, the pizza, you may not realize that you wanted a hot dog to go with that. So, <laughs> you know, it, it allows the stores to cross merchandise and, and do some marketing and promotional um, uh, campaigns. So we mentioned earlier just kind of maybe the changing attitudes of customers that come into these stores. And that, that kind of has me a little curious just what that means, I suppose, for stores like this. People are moving away from buying those chips. So now these stores have to adjust, I suppose, into uh, having more products like what you're providing. So I guess give us an idea of how big of a shift this is for these stores. I I'm guessing that they would then have to change out inventory on a more regular basis and keep a better track of that sort of thing on a day-to-day -day basis because, as you mentioned, chips, 60 days. Sushi, considerably <laughs> less than 60 days. <laughs> yeah, not so much. And so... So there's an ongoing, I suppose, challenge. How has that customer behavior really caused these stores to need to adjust? Well, it's not so much that customers have, the consumer has stopped buying chips, uh, but they're making healthier choices and they're incorporating, you know, a salad in with, uh, with, with their meal. Uh, they're, they're grabbing a cup of yogurt. And, um, you know, because of the, the short shelf life, you've got to, A, make sure that you present that in such a way that the consumer wants it and you have a faster turn on, on the shelf. Mm -hmm. uh, and, B, you have to do it in such a way where the technology prolongs uh, the shelf life of that food. Uh, for example, a slice of pizza or, or a, a chicken wing typically has about a two to three hour max shelf life once it's cooked and, and on display. And our cases tend to extend that, uh, that shelf life by up to 50% in some cases, depending on the food product uh, itself. That's really interesting. So you kind of provide more of an opportunity for the store to get that return on investment for these products that they have because they have a longer shelf life now. Not just a, uh, a, a bigger opportunity to sell that slice mm -hmm. of pizza, but perhaps an even more important opportunity not to throw that slice of pizza away if it didn't sell within that extended time frame. So there's a lot of throwaway, a lot of waste, mm -hmm. almost 30 percent uh, in the convenience store industry in the fresh food category. And uh, the fresh food category is the category that's growing the fastest uh, right. in, the, in the convenience store industry. So it's a, it's a part of the industry that's growing really quickly, um, but it's also the one that presents that, that challenge of the, the throwaway aspect of it. So that's really 
maybe probably one of the big insights that you have that you're trying to help these convenience store owners overcome then, I'm guessing, when you have these conversations with them. Yep, you're right. How has this emphasis on fresh eating really uh, maybe revolutionized a little bit more of what these uh, store owners are doing then? Because you mentioned that's the fastest growing, so they then have to, I suppose, look more towards the products that you're providing. So how are you seeking to really meet those needs? Well, one of the things that we're doing is um, as the consumer shifts their buying habits from pack to fresh food, uh, those fresh food items require typically two things to be marketed to, to the consumer, refrigeration or heating. And both of those consume a tremendous amount of energy. And so stores are seeing their energy consumptions per store uh, increase uh, as the consumer's buying habits change. Um, so we really make sure that we take, uh, take that um, uh, you know, that desire to keep the energy consumption of our of our products down to an absolute minimum. Uh, all of our products are Energy Star Tier 2 rated, uh, ANSI 2 rated, uh, and they consume the, the least amount of electricity of, uh, of, of any piece of equipment in our in the categories that we uh, that we provide. That's really fascinating. So I suppose that's almost a, a fourth box to check then is is being as energy efficient as possible and then saving the store money, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you uh, you know, prior to getting entry into a store with a piece of equipment, uh, some of the uh, the larger convenience stores, racetrack, 7-Eleven, Quick Trip, uh, they require you to submit your uh, your test results. And so we have uh, four state-of-the-art test chambers in our facility uh, where we run all, all of our equipment through a barrage of, of tests, energy consumption, mm-hmm. lifetime performance, life cycle performance, uh, before we can even get uh, into a store for uh, a consumer engagement trial. For sure. Joey, outside of having conversations just directly with store owners, what other ways are you gaining insights into their needs? Are, are there trade shows? Are there places where you can go that uh, you can have more of these types of conversations and get kind of a broader idea of what the, what the marketplace is telling you? What, what do you do for that? Well, we do participate in all the major trade shows, and that's a great opportunity to get in front of the customer and the consumer and and showcase our new items. And I'd like to go back to what Mike was just talking about with the heated and chilled products. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd love to plug one of our new items that's coming out next year. It's a hot and cold beverage display. So currently not available in the U.S. We're going to be selling a display cabinet that will have heated and chilled beverages within the same cabinet. So you're telling me I can get like a, a Dr. Pepper and a coffee or what, what's... That is correct. So we're working with uh, a couple of major consumer packaged goods companies mm-hmm. right now. We're actually talking about the creation of a whole new category. So if you think about some of the energy drinks right now that they have coffee flavors, they have tea flavors. Sure. But none are, are heated. Interesting. So that could create a whole new category and channel for those brands. So you you were asking about how we go and find out what it is the consumer wants or how yeah. we how we grab those those new ideas. Um, one of the things that we do is we spend a lot of time in the market marketplace. Mm-hmm. And Joey and I are actually leaving for Tokyo tomorrow morning. Really? Yeah, we're going to spend a week there with our parent company. And in Japan, they do convenience stores a lot differently than than we do here. They're very small. They're very intense. Yeah. And uh, and these these uh, coolers coolers isn't really the right word. Merchandisers mm-hmm. uh, might be a better word that can serve both hot and cold products in the same cabinet. Yeah. They're so prevalent throughout uh, Japan. And and so that's one of the things that we've decided to sort of latch onto and introduce 
to uh, to the uh, to the American market. Maybe we'll be as as successful as anime and uh, <laughs> <laughs> all the other uh, major Japanese. Absolutely, absolutely. Exports. No, that's that's fantastic. What is it about this particular product that you think will play well here? I'm so glad you asked. So one of the fastest growing RTDs, ready to drink mm -hmm. uh, categories, is coffee and energy drinks. Yeah. And American consumers have, have just, over the last decade and a half, completely changed how they consume coffee. We have refined our palate. Mm -hmm. uh, we enjoy iced coffees. Uh, we enjoy frappuccinos, espressos. Uh, it's, it's just changed significantly. Uh, but these ready to drink packages are typically served uh, cold. Well, during the winter months, you might not be looking for a cold can of, of coffee. And these merchandisers give the beverage makers uh, the opportunity to, to give the consumer a choice during these slower winter months. Uh, they can have a, a cold Monster Java or they can have a warm Starbucks Frappuccino. Really? Yeah. In okay. the same cabinet. I'm into this. Yeah. I, I, I like this idea. I have a friend actually who... It doesn't matter how cold it gets, they will always drink iced coffee. Great, we got right? that covered. Yeah, exactly. It, because you would think that at a certain point, you know, places shift their menus and less iced coffee, less, you know, less cold brew, things like that, and go more with the hot drinks because they're like, only a crazy person would drink, you know, iced coffee when it's 25 degrees outside, but they do it. So yeah, you know, having that flexibility is, is, is pretty wild. Joey's an old man. He doesn't like cold coffee. He likes his <laughs> coffee hot. How do you tailor, how do you tailor to his needs? I, I suppose it's meeting customers where they are, but to do that, you have to have that insight, like what you have into the drinking habits of Americans when it comes to coffee these days and energy drinks and, and things along those lines. How are you making sure that you stay up to date with the latest information of customer trends? Oh my gosh, a lot of reading, <laughs> a lot of web searching, uh, a lot of market, uh, you know, getting out into the market, forcing yourself to, to shut your email down and, and get out in the marketplace and, and look around and see what's going on. Uh, going to Tokyo, you know, it's just, it's, it's a lot of work. Uh, a lot of times, you know, our, our customers have a really good thumb on the pulse of what the consumer trends are, and they'll mm -hmm. come to us and bring ideas to us, or they'll bring opportunities to us for us to create solutions for them. Joey, when you have a conversation with a store owner uh, or, or somebody who's a decision maker in, in one of these locations, what does it look like for you to evaluate their needs and then take that and put that into practice? Kind of walk me through that process of what that's like to kind of find, here's what you need, here's what we have, here's how we make this work in your particular, your stores. Well, it really depends on the type of operator. If it's a convenience store, then we're looking at heated display cases, opportunities like that. If it's a, a beverage company or a bottling company, then we're looking into our vendors. So we really have to evaluate the opportunity there, but we're always looking for ways to be creative. Uh, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is our innovation. And I think 2020 will be our biggest year yet for introducing our innovation items. Uh, one of the items that we've been promoting and we're just now releasing is our Lumalina Super Chill Cooler. And we've had a tremendous amount of positive feedback on this. So. The customer experience is totally different. If you go into a restaurant that has our Lumalina Super Chill Cooler, it takes beverages, bottled beverages, and canned, holds them below freezing without turning solid. When you go to pour out the product, it turns into a slush-type beverage. It's really fascinating. So when we're talking with the operators and they're telling us their needs for a greater ROI, for example, the, the places that are selling this product, we're selling cold sake for, say, eight to twelve dollars a bottle right and they're taking that same exact product and now it's 14 to 16 dollars for the same product 
because of the customer experience and because of the demand that they're getting from their customers when they realize that they have this super chill cooler. That's really fascinating. That's it's pretty that's exciting. exciting. I like oh, that. you've got to come out to the shop and we'll uh, we'll pour you a glass. It's 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 amazing. It literally pours liquid, and in the cup, it's a slush. That's amazing. Okay, I need I do need to see this firsthand. Uh, but before I get too sidetracked and, and thinking about that, what 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 has you particularly excited for 2020 and for the next year? You mentioned this product, and that sounds completely amazing and I'm, I'm really pumped to see this but w- what else you know has you pumped and has you really really excited uh joey for for 2020 and you know what are you looking forward to so one of the things i'm really excited about in 2020 is the launch of our v21i vending machine it's an iot or internet of things enabled vending machine that will allow the operator to sell alcoholic beverages without an attendant so it's capable of age verification. Oh. It's incredible. You can log on from your laptop and change pricing. You can have pricing set from 5 to 7. You can run a happy hour special. Or you can shut the unit off at certain times. Maybe it's in a school and you can't vend between certain hours at school. So you can control all of that. In addition to that, it has smart tech technology that will give you real-time analytics and insights and even give you predictive sales analytics, wow. uh, which is huge for the operator. Uh, in addition to that, it also will send you alerts if it's sensing that maybe something's going wrong with the vending machine. So this is really a remarkable vendor. We first showcased this at the International Nightclub and Bar Expo in Las Vegas and had a great response from some of the casino uh, leadership teams that came and visited. They talked about some of the challenges that they face in the summertime. It's pretty common to wait 30 to 40 minutes for a drink. If you, sure. go up, you get out of the pool, you look at the line, you go right back in. So it's lost revenue. Mm-hmm. So they could place one of these units out there, sell alcoholic beverages, and uh, it's like having an additional attendant. Not to go on and on about this machine, but clearly I'm excited <laughs> about it. Oh, but, no, please do, please do. Another great feature is that it's yeah. cloud-based, so we can control oh. how many beverages are sold. Okay. So let's say you have one on every floor. You have one out by the pool. You have one at all the other surrounding casinos, and you probably wonder, well, what would stop somebody from going from machine to machine and buying a bunch of alcoholic beverages? Well, we can control by the user sure, how sure. many are sold per hour, per 24-hour period. So it gives the operator total control over that. You almost have an overserve governor on the on the program itself, basically. We do. And really, the operator is the one that controls that. So mm-hmm. if you want to limit it to one drink in a 24-hour period, yeah. you can do that. Yeah, it, it's it's oozing technology, but yeah, but no kidding. let me let me let me make it relevant to you because I I, <laughs> I I can see I can see how how you would use this. It's Friday night. Yes. You're at the nightclub. Mm-hmm. Mm-ts, 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 right? Yeah. You go to get uh, you and your friends a beer. Mm-hmm. The line at the bar is 15 people deep. Always. That's lost sales. That's lost sales for the bar owner. It is. It's lost tips for the for the bartender. And uh, it's, it's kind of frustrating, you know, as, as a consumer. Uh, you're at the baseball game, and it's uh, it's change of the innings. Everyone runs out. Line at the beer stand is right. 25 people deep. So this, this gives the owner-operators an opportunity to collect on those lost sales. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and until we do that, we'll never know how much sales we lost until we uh, you know, fill that need for them. That's a really great point. And one of the things that, just as you're describing this, I'm thinking about is how long had vending machine technology basically, for all intents and purposes, stayed the same? Like, they changed the way, you know, sometimes products looked like they, you know, got grabbed by an arm and moved over and dropped down and that sort of thing. But 
for the most part, it was the same thing. I give it money, it gives me product or whatever. But this is a real fusing of modern technology with something that everybody's really familiar with already in, in kind of a vending machine idea, right? That is absolutely right. You know, the, the, the Romans invented the first vending machine. <laughs> I couldn't tell you the year, but it was definitely B.C., and uh, it was a dispenser that dispensed holy water for a gold coin. And vending ha- really hasn't changed much since then. Sure. We're, we're still doing the same thing. We're accepting money and we're moving product from point A to point B. But the consumer's demand for different products like CBD and cannabis uh, products like alcohol and regulated products, you couldn't do that in vending before. Right, right. That's absolutely it's absolutely true. Mike, what has you excited for 2020? It, same same thing as Joey or uh, anything else? Or are there any insights maybe that you've gained that you're really looking forward to 2020 and saying, you know, we've seen con- consumer behavior change in this way and I'm excited to meet this particular need? Wow. How much time do we have left? <laughs> <laughs> as much time as you want. <laughs> so I, I think the thing that, uh, that raises the hair on the back of my neck right now uh, is a new technology called Curban that we'll be releasing to the restaurant and, uh, and food service industry. Mm-hmm. What Curban does is it takes a freezer, it mounts a transformer and electrical control onto it, and then passes 5,000 volts of electricity through the food that's inside uh, the, the, the cabinet. Now, what that process is called is non-thermal electromagnet energy. And what that does is, is it vibrates the food on a molecular level so that the water molecules can't freeze and form these jagged ice crystals. So you, yeah, so you essentially get a steak or a gallon of milk that scientifically is frozen because it's below freezing, uh, but still in its, in its flaccid liquid state. That's fascinating because all the time, you know, you get a steak and you're excited about it, but you got to go put it in the fridge for X amount of time to actually defrost it. You can actually cook it because it's hard as a freaking rock, right? Frozen to frying pan. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And not only that, but it extends the shelf life uh, of the food product up to 10 times. It's just like if you were to put a um, piece of fish in your freezer, you would expect it to be uh, uh, absolutely consumable mm. a month later, two months later. So is the primary use case for something like that, like a, uh, a grocery store to keep more frozen? Or is, it, or is it more of a restaurant that you would look at and say, here, you can keep your stuff here. And so you're not worried about defrosting something or, you know, something along those lines. Yes and yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So in a, uh, in, a, in a grocery store application, imagine being the... Uh, the meat manager, the deli manager, Mm -hmm. and being able to buy uh, a prime rib roast uh, and then wet age it yourself and charge uh, the consumer that higher price for an aged meat. Yeah. Uh, Imagine you're at the grocery store and uh, the closer that meat product gets to the expiration date, the bigger the discount until it ends up on the manager's uh, shelf and, and with that ugly clearance tag on it. You know, <laughs> who buys that? Uh, but with Curaban, you actually get to increase the price with each day that, uh, that the meat has been packaged and set out there because it's aged longer. The amino acids have had a chance to develop. The umami is, is, is increased. It's just mm-hmm. uh, an incredible experience. Some exciting times, some exciting products and uh, things to look forward to in 2020. So I always 
just love having these conversations with, with guys like you because you tell me about consumer behaviors that I didn't realize about myself until you tell me. And then I sit there, I'm like, you know what? I do do that. You know? <laughs> so uh, it's always fun to have these kinds of conversations. I look forward to uh, doing it again in the future. So Mike and Joey, thank you so much for being here. Today, oh, it was guys. a blast. Thank, thank you, you so much. Us. Absolutely. And we will be back with another episode of Unwrap the Food Service Podcast soon. But until then, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, and we will be back soon. I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.